0: Now, hang on. I got to I have to tell this guy Willie to be careful. No cussing, because you're within my shot here. But Willie said earlier he just wanted to say on the air, and so I'm going to relay it, which is, God is great.
1: God is great. And and we are to be honored and privileged to serve on a great God and a great country.
0: And it's, it's an honor and privilege to serve under a great God in a great country. That was Willie. That's all I got to say. A.K.A. You, Wheels? Is a- that what it a- is? A.K.A. Wheels of Steel. Wheels of Steel. There yeah, you the, go. All the right. Real <laughs> the real deal. The real deal. So that's Willie. We're out at the true, Truest Field. It is now wrapping up. This is the inaugural Woo! Carolina's Veterans, event, Veterans Day event. And uh, looking forward to seeing you, what, next year? You're going to well, be here yeah, next yeah, year? Yeah, yeah, God, God willing. If,
1: if God is willing and the creek don't rise, that's right. <laughs> we'll be right here with the same old there you same go.
0: Old so Willie will be back. You I will be back and I, we hope to see you there as well. They're tearing it all down. It was a great event. A lot of fun. Nice to meet you, Willie. And um, we are we're working to get Caleb Howe. Sorry, I was chatting with Willie and I was late getting the number over to uh, Ryan. <laughs> uh, so let me see here. I gotta pull up the the phone line here. But oh Caleb Howe is the senior editor at Mediaite.com Mediaite.com uh, Mediaite, I-T-E uh, They've got tons of different stories up there all day I use it for my show prep I've known Caleb for uh, for several years He actually filled in a couple times for me Up in uh, Up in Asheville And he is uh, local And he is also, uh, I guess we have him now on the end Let me see if I can pull it up Hello Caleb, how are you man?
1: I'm great, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing good, Caleb. How? Also, happy Veterans Day to you, and belated Happy Birthday to the USMC. Um, thank you, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, first off, uh, I got—I ga- gotta ask. I have no idea. You a Panthers fan? Uh, you got any thoughts yes, on Cam yes. Newton's return? Are you happy? Are you? <laughs> I saw
1: it, and it's—it's uh, it's of course a mixed emotion situation. It's a one-year contract. You know, if it—if that one year is like his first one year, or even his second then great if that one year is like his later one years not so great and it's uh, interesting you know darnold we've got injuries that's why he's out and cam is you know famous for getting injured so
0: uh, that is yeah well the, and i am kind of i'm worried that if belichick couldn't do anything with him up in you know, New England. Then, like, what are we thinking? Matt Rule is going to be able to do with him down here? I don't know. So, but I'm, I'm not a Cam basher. I like Cam Newton. I, I, I didn't like some stuff that he did off the field. But as long as he was winning, I didn't care. That's kind of like that's, that's right. my standard. You know, it's like.
1: Perform. I think going to be interesting to see him and McCaffrey together.
0: Oh, that's true. Oh, that's true. I hadn't even thought of that. All right, see, this is what this is why I like talking to Caleb. Um, <laughs> you see, alerted. And let's not forget uh, Chuba
1: Hubbard. So. Chuba Hubbard, which
0: the most fun name to say in the NFL. Um, that's right. So, all right, let's talk a little bit about some of the content you've got up at the website. Uh, this story, I haven't talked at all about this, but this, this strikes me as concerning and disturbing at a level because, uh, it seems like a targeting of journalists. This, of course, is the FBI raid uh, of James O'Keefe, he of Project Veritas, uh, as well as a lot of his journalists. Um, the FBI raided their homes, and this is all about uh, what a, a diary of uh, Ashley Biden's. I, I, explain this to me, and what are the larger concerns, if any, that you have? That's right. So
1: it's it's about. I guess you would say the provenance of the diary, how it came to be. Um, the reason this is—it's it, interesting. The reason that the FBI knows about it and is raiding in the first place is that O'Keefe and Project Veritas notified them that they had been given it, turned it over. Didn't they? Didn't use it for anything? But nevertheless, the people who did use it, the the um, the company that was in possession of it had previous ties to Project Veritas, and therefore, some of the journalists who worked there, uh, two in particular, had their homes searched on a Wednesday, a week or two ago, and then on that Saturday, early morning raid at O'Keeffe's house uh, on the same subject. The diary has allegations in it that are obviously uh, explosive and dubious and so the the question of where it came from and who verified it and who got it is what the FBI is theoretically looking into. Uh, it was a surprise to me, and I think a lot of people that they that they did these searches in the form of, you know knocking on the door at five in the morning raid style rather than uh, you know, asking for the evidence that they had volunteered
0: right so right cuz a couple of issues obviously come up here is um, is there some allegation or uh, idea that the journalists involved did anything wrong nobody's been charged with anything as far as i know right so it's just a data so far, that's right the allegation is theft. it's <laughs> so, right but they didn't steal the diary right
1: that's they right just took Well that's the dispute. They say they did not steal it and it as far as we can tell they, they are withholding most of the information but as far as we can tell the accusation against them that the FBI acted on is that they that they in fact did steal gotcha. and whether or not it's real.
0: Which they according to O'Keefe who put out a video statement he said he did. they did not feel comfortable doing anything with this diary so they that's didn't right. they didn't even run a story on it.
1: They did not run a story. Instead, they contacted the FBI about it.
0: And then they get raided for it. Right. (laughs) Which is. (laughs) And then, of course, my favorite part, though, of the story is that the New York Times got tipped off about the raid. (laughs) That's
1: my favorite part. (laughs) Both, right. Both times the New York Times immediately had the story.
0: Yeah. So, in case anybody had any doubts about whether or not there are people inside doj and the fbi that are funneling information to preferred media outlets rest assured it totally is happening <laughs> so uh all right anything else on this topic before i bounce over to another one
1: no it, it you know it's still in flux so it's it's hard to get updates while they yeah. you know everybody's locked down and and has to be quiet about it on legal advice
0: yeah um i saw also uh the president seems to be the last person to realize the impact uh, that uh, some of the policies of the president have been having uh he was shocked
1: (laughs) he would like to see the manager please he was very (laughs) surprised yesterday at the price of gas and he shared his dismay with america asking did you ever expect to be paying this much for gas so if only he could figure out who's in charge yeah,
0: it's, it's it's a it's a brain buster. Maybe someday. Um, so, and this is all at mediaite.com, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm up against the uh, break here, Caleb. How is the yeah. senior editor? Read his work at mediaite.com. We'll have you back on, Caleb. I do appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks so much.
1: And uh, happy Veterans Day to all veterans out there.
0: So, did you hear about the bomb that got dropped in North Carolina politics today? Well, I guess last night, really. U.S. Congressman Madison Cawthorn confirming that he is uh, looking at potentially running in a different congressional district than the one that he currently resides in. Now, I will tell you, I, uh, I sent him a, a message today when I saw this news this morning. And I asked him, hey, you want to come on the show? <laughs> And he says, after I officially make a decision. So he hasn't officially made a decision, according to his text to me. Ah, Look, uh, these guys, they make all sorts of uh, these guys. I mean, like elected officials, especially when you got the redistricting and they got the different maps and you're deciding on what races to get in. people make these different types of decisions around, like, when can they announce things and what do they say? Speaker Moore, I asked him this what uh, two weeks ago. I asked him about whether he intended to run for uh, Congress in this newly created congressional district, and he said, uh, "Well, I have his audio here, actually. Let me see. Oh, you want to try it? You want to try this? You want to see if this is actually going to work out here on site at Truist Field?" Or, no, I can't. Never mind. I can't. It's okay. It's all right, John. No, I can't. I didn't. Re- I didn't load my clip. So that's my fault <laughs> not a technical problem it was uh, an oversight on my part maybe I'll, I'll maybe I will do like Jen Psaki and circle back on this um, but Kermore said you know he's looking at his options and whatever and he'll have a decision and so they they give themselves more I mean first off there's I mean there is a political pragmatic and beneficial reason for this is the fact that if you don't make an announcement right away then you get more earned media coverage because People like me will keep asking you. And then you get to stay in the news. You know who was a master at this? <laughs> Pat McCrory. Pat McCrory was a master at doing this. He did it with his, his mayor races. I mean, the, he ran for re-election as mayor like seven times. And every single time, I think, I mean, the last four that I remember, he always did the same thing. He'd be like, I'm not sure. And then everybody would be like, oh, oh, wait. Is he not running? Is he not running? And then there'd be all this speculation for like weeks and weeks and weeks, and then somebody would ask him again, and he'd be like, "Oh, you know, I'll make a decision after." And he would always say, "Like I'll make a decision after the holidays or something like that." And I mean, to his, I mean, to his credit and his defense, he would always say that. But it also dragged it out, and so media people looking for you know stories to fill our newscast would keep asking him, and so it creates this cycle. Uh, so there's that element to it, but there's also some things. Uh, if I recall correctly, there are some there are some triggers that that happen once a candidate declares, and so things things get dicier, You know, there are now. Like you get treated differently if you're an elected official versus now a candidate and whatever. And like who's who's able to give you money and how that happens. So there's there are certain elements in these decision making processes that uh, that I don't fully understand. I don't care to understand, but it's why we get some of the answers we get. But last night, U.S. Congressman Madison Cawthorn was on a call with GOP county chairs out in District 11. And District 11 right now is basically Western North Carolina. Right, It's like the 13 counties, I want to say, that are out there. Well, I, yeah, I, I forget the actual district boundaries, but we always refer to it as the 13-county area anyway. But that, that whole Western North Carolina chunk of the state is the 11th district. Remember, Mark Meadows was the representative there, um, and he had beaten um, Hayden Rogers, who was the chief of staff for Heath Shuler, the last Blue Dog Democrat. Um, so... Cawthorn says on this call with the county chairs that this. Now I'm re- again. I just I just told you what he texted me when he said after I officially make a decision, happy to be on. Now in the uh, the articles that I've seen, it seems like he was more definitive with the county GOP chairs, but I'm not sure because I wasn't on the call and. This is what Dallas Woodhouse reports at the Carolina Journal. He says in a call with GOP county chairs in his current district, Cawthorne announced he would be running in the adjacent new NC-13, not the new NC-14. Okay, because right, so his district, because of the redrawing of the lines, and because we are getting another congressional seat, they're, they're re, they redrew them all, and so what? What is currently District 11 is getting a redraw and will now become. District 14, okay? Henderson County, which is where he's from, Madison Cawthorn is from Henderson County. That's his home base. Like, everybody knows him. He, he's like the assistant manager at the Chick-fil-A there. Like, everybody, like, they grew up with him in the homeschooling community. Like, everybody knows him. And so that's his home base. His dad is there. Um, his uh, I think his brother is still there. Like, his family's there. Deep roots. Okay. So Henderson County is will remain in North Carolina's 14th Congressional District. So if he looks to make a run in 13, in District 13, that means he's not going to have that home base county for support, um, which is something to consider, right? Now, what does the newly drawn 13th district look like? It includes all of Gaston County, Polk County, Rutherford County, McDowell County, and Burke County. This was in the North Carolina political circles. District 13 was perceived, the assumption, the presumption, the rumor is that this was drawn for House Speaker Tim Moore to run in. That's why it looks like it does, because it's got his... um, Uh, It's got his district, including Cleveland County. It also has the western curve of Mecklenburg all the way up into the north, which also today, Karen Bentley, former Mecklenburg County Commissioner, went on Bo Thompson's show this morning on WBT, and she announced she's running for this congressional seat. All right, we'll get into more of this up next. First, it's a newscast with Mark Muller. It's always sad, this time of an event. I feel like I need to be playing. Tuesday's gone. It's like the end of the keg party, you know? Like, when they're turn- they're, they're, they're taking down all of the stuff at the Truist Field. Now, I, I will say, they've got a ton of Christmas decorations already in place. They've been putting these things up, and uh, this is for they're going to do the... They, they got, like, a big holiday uh, light display that you'll be able to walk through. Uh, they're going to start that thing up. Thanksgiving weekend, day before Thanksgiving, I think, is when they're opening up for when the parade is going on. So that'll be cool. Um, All right. So you got the newly drawn, unless, of course, Democrats break the maps again in the uh, in the courts, the newly drawn North Carolina 13th Congressional District. This district includes Gaston County, Polk County, Rutherford, McDowell, Burke, Cleveland, and a band that runs... All on the west side of Mecklenburg County, all the way up into North Meck, which now, like, it's, it's kind this is kind of funny. So, like, there were a bunch of people in the Asheville area for years that were always complaining about the congressional maps. They did not like the fact that Asheville got split in half between the 10th and the 11th congressional districts. Half of the district was represented by Patrick McHenry in the 10th, and the other half was... Madison Cawthorn, well first it was Mark Meadows, then it was Madison Cawthorn. But they were always arguing that Asheville needs to be kept whole, they need to be put into one district, and then the thought was, the reason why they made these arguments was that they thought once they get that, then they'll be able to dictate the outcome of the general election. They'll totally be able to elect some crazy leftist from Asheville politics. Except that was never to be the case. And anybody who understands, like, demographics knows there were not enough voters that are crazy outside of Asheville city limits. It's a blue dot in a sea of red. And so when they finally got through the court system, when they finally got the 11th Congressional District redrawn and part and all of Asheville now included in the 11th, they got Madison Cawthorn. That's what happened. They got Madison Cawthorn, which like they were not happy at all but then again it was like guys all you had to do was run a candidate who wasn't crazy and they picked mo davis cuz they were like oh look here's a here's a a white man military guy and he was somebody that like the lefties could kind of get on board with because you know he he challenged george w bush over the gitmo stuff and he was a gitmo prosecutor and but he's also and in the lefty minds they're thinking he's also a white guy so he's attractive to republicans and so little did they know mo davis had a bit of a history on social media saying really really terrible things about basically 60% of the population he was asking to represent in Congress. I mean, and some of the stuff, like, fine, you get it. He's an MSNBC contributor, so he's going to say some stuff. And this was his excuse. I was was moderating a, a political debate between the two of them, a candidate's debate between Cawthorn and Davis, and nobody had asked him any of these questions about his Twitter feed. And you know me... I'm your Huckleberry. I'll ask the question, and I'm on Twitter, so you know I saw it, and so I read to him his tweets. It's a little awkward. It's a little awkward um, talking about, you know, I mean, because the the most egregious tweet was how he said he want, you know, when uh, was it when these traitors or whatever these Republicans? You you gotta. Take the boot of your he- the heel of your boot and grind their necks into the pavement until you hear the crisp snap of the neck. So you know, so they know who did it to you or something like that. Like, I mean, there comes a point where like the 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 violence porn goes a bit too far. Like at some point you're like well, all right, you you worked at Gitmo and now you're saying this stuff. Okay, but um. I don't know if he's done more of this. He, he has since blocked me, but uh, Mo Davis did. But this is who they put up to run against Madison Cawthorne. And he didn't have an explanation for it at the debate. And in the subsequent mop-up job that they attempted, he had no real explanation other than, yeah, I said it, but, uh, you know, that's a different persona. That's what he tried to say, like, you know, like oh, you guys, you guys just need to toughen up. Because he, and he so he attacked people for being offended, but he said, you know, hey, um, this is my persona that I, uh, you know, you because he said to me as I asked him the question, he's like, well, you're in the media, I'm like, yeah, but I don't say stuff like that. That's crazy. <laughs> so that's who Democrats ran. I suspect they think that they've got a better shot now against Madison Cawthorn. I have no idea. What his thinking is. All I can tell you is the reports that I have seen so far. um, Polls on behalf of Cawthorn, uh, put out uh, by Spry Strategies, have been testing his name ID, his approval. And they even did a head-to-head ballot test of him versus uh, House Speaker Tim Moore. Now the 13th district is a little bit more Republican than the 14th district, where he would be. Okay, so the 14th does become a little bit bluer. And by the way, for folks who think you can just keep, you know, running away, I guess, and the blue won't catch you, uh, I believe it's Henderson uh, uh, or, Hen- or Hendersonville just elected uh, a, a far lefty mayor down there. So yeah, that's. Because once they like once they take over a city like Charlotte, right? Once Democrats have taken over, now they're going to start moving outwards. They're going to start taking over county commissions, and then they take over the towns as people flee the towns that are in the counties that have been taken over. So, thirteenth uh, is a little bit more Republican. Both are expected to elect a Republican, but some analysts believe that Democrats can make the fourteenth competitive later in the decade due to population changes. This is one of the things that I always tell Democrats when they complain about the maps that get drawn, that demographics aren't static, right? The housing patterns change, people move, the demographics shift. North Carolina Republicans control the General Assembly and they control it based on an election under maps that Democrats drew because the demographics shifted. Democrats drew the maps. Ten years later, Republicans won them and then got to draw the maps themselves. That's how that happened. And so the demographics are going to keep shifting. And so the idea is that eventually Asheville will infect. I'm sorry, will spread. The, the blue will spread to more of the 14th district. Uh, we shall see. Uh, one other thing to keep in mind the Asheville TV market versus the charlotte market Asheville tv market is like a hundred million nothing charlotte's like what market 10 or something 15 i don't even know so it could help him build his uh his brand his name id so there is a real benefit to being in the charlotte market versus the Asheville market Asheville only actually has one local tv station Alrighty, News Talk 1110, ninety nine three WBT. You're going to hear music playing and probably videos in the background playing because they've turned on the big TV here at Truist Field. Uh, do they get the uh, they get Sports Center over there? No, I'm kidding. Um, Gee, what do you think the sports people talk about today? What do you think might be a good topic? Oh, for sports? Oh man, no. probably a tennis somewhere. Yeah, it, definitely a tennis oh, kind of day. Yeah, soccer. probably dominating the headlines. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I am kind of. I am very. I I'm kind of excited, but kind of worried. It's yeah, yeah about Cam Newton. Cam Newton's coming back. One year contract. Yay! Yay! Sometimes you gotta say, "What the heck? What the heck?" You know. The season's already over for it. There's not a large quarterback pool out there, so, you know, come on. Come on back. Uh, Be our buddy for a little while. All righty. Also want to give a reminder, the 704 Coat Drive presented by Charlotte Mechanical. That is still going on, and uh, will be through Friday. And uh, that's zip-up day. That's November 12th, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's going to be in the parking lot of the Dilworth Neighborhood Grill. So uh, come on by with a new or like new coat. Drop it off. Help out some folks this wintertime. Very much appreciated. You can get details at 704 coatdrivecom And uh, you can make a monetary donation there. It all benefits the Salvation Army. So I saw this at CNN. I know, I know, it's CNN. But I saw this on CNN.com uh, that... I guess this is the first rioter, yeah, the first January 6th rioter to be sentenced for violence. It's a very specific first, because you know, media, it's like, we got to tell you like, this is the first whatever, 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 they, they, like, you kind of narrow it down. So this is the first rioter sentenced for violence against the police during the attack. It's a New Jersey gym owner. And a former MMA fighter who punched a police officer during the January 6th riot. He got sentenced to 41 months in prison. Um, His name is Scott Fairlam. He pleaded guilty in August to assaulting a police officer and obstructing an official proceeding. He's been in jail since he was arrested in late January. He will get credit for the time he already spent behind bars. Fairlam was also the first riot defendant to plead guilty to assault. Um, then there was this sentence. Fairlam's sentence will likely set an early benchmark for how harshly rioters charged with violence may be punished. So this always, it's always interesting to me when supposed journalists make these types of predictions this kind of speculative journalism it's not even journalism it's it, it, these are just predictions it's wish casting right they have no idea Yeah, they whoever wrote this story holmes Lebrand or librand and hannah rabinowitz they don't have any idea whether or not this is going to be an early benchmark whether or not other sentences would be weighed against this sentence which why would that be the case why would you say well that guy did this thing, you did something else, so I'm going to have to use his sentence in order to conjure up your sentence. That doesn't make any sense. Why would they do that? we Will likely set an early benchmark. No, you may want it to be an early benchmark. This, again, this is the pressure campaign that media exerts upon judges. And then they pretend that they're not part of the arena, the political arena, that they don't actually engage in the battle at all. No, no, no. I'm just over here, you know, just calling the balls and strikes, just telling the people what's happening. They then say it. And so not only will it uh, that his his sentence will likely set an early benchmark, they cite, by the way, uh, nobody or no source for this kind of assessment, for this kind of speculation, but they say and it ushers in a new phase of the U.S. Capitol riot cases, which so far have had only nonviolent defendants sentenced largely to no jail time, which is why I guess we haven't heard anything about all of the defendants getting no jail time. Fairlam said, quote, I truly regret my actions that day. Um, He had tears in his eyes. He asked the judge for mercy. Fairlam says he had disappointed his family, including his father, who is a veteran, and noted that since his arrest, he has not spoken to his brother, who's a Secret Service agent. (laughs) What are you doing, man? Out of respect for his position in our government, uh, he said, my life got pulled out from under me, and it's no one's fault but myself. Um, Before handing down the sentence... The judge, who's named Lamberth, told Fair Lamb, like this is almost out of a book. You got two lambs? Like, really? Okay. Lamberth told Fair Lamb that he had made the right decision in accepting a plea agreement. Had you gone to trial, I don't think there's any jury that could have acquitted you. You could not have beaten this. Lamberth said, the judge said that, other January 6th defendants in situations similar to Fairlam's are going to get a lot more time in prison if they go to trial and they would be wise to follow Fairlam's example and plead guilty too. That's an interesting thing for a judge to say, don't you think? So I can totally get a fair trial under you, judge, huh? (laughs) The way he said to the, uh, uh, to Fairlam. He said, the way you hit the police officer in the face like that, you're fortunate he wasn't injured. Fairlam was also sentenced to 36 months of supervised release and uh, $2,000 for damages done at the Capitol. Prosecutors had sought 44 months in prison. But they got 41, and then he's going to get... uh, He knocks off, like, what, six months for the time served. Fairlam had a criminal history. Photos he had taken with an area-closed sign outside of the Capitol as well. Prosecutors showed that. They said that this proved Fairlam knew that he was not allowed at the building. And messages to a friend where he said he would totally go again. (laughs) So, lack of remorse, check. Knew he wasn't supposed to be there, check. Violent attack on a cop, check. Check also throw in for good measure former mma fighter so might even like did if you're an mma fighter do you need to have your fists registered as lethal weapons like a boxer like do you need to do that i don't know all right i do know this brett winterville's coming up next thanks so much for hanging out with me i appreciate it thanks to everybody who did the carolina's veterans day festival at truest field a lot of fun a lot of great work and uh we'll talk with you tomorrow don't break anything while i'm gone <laughs> you mm-hmm.